Do you want to go? Walkies. <laughs> yes, of course you do. You always do. Hi, I'm Emily Dean and this is Walking the Dog Season 2. This time, it's personal. I really hope you've been enjoying the show. It'd be so nice to get your feedback. So can you please rate and review on iTunes and subscribe if you want to hear more of them. So this week, I went out with Gary Lineker and his gorgeous yellow Labrador Snoop. Snoop Dog, get it? He hasn't just scored 48 goals for England, you know. He even wins at puns. He's really excited. Yeah, he loves it. Come on, Snoop. Come on, boy. Come on. It's raining, though. Okay, you've got the umbrella. Got the umbrella. Yeah. Snoop's got his own umbrella. Let's go. Snoop, wait for us. Here we are. Snoop. I I might need his lead, actually. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Get Snoop's lead. I got, yeah. I got got the poop bag. Get the poo bag. That's really terrible, isn't it, if you don't have the poo bag? I got one of those. I should say, I hadn't even introduced you, Gary. I was so excited. Yes. I mean, you don't really need any introduction, do you? Well, I do on radio. Okay, that's true. Well, your voice is, I mean, most people know it by now. Yes, that Oh. That East Midlands drone. It's all right, all dogs pee. No, I know, but it was quite early on in the proceedings. (laughs) Oh, there'll be many. Multiple peas. I'm just saying, Gary, it was very early on in the day to be cocking his leg like that. Yeah, he's, he's very forward. I'm with Gary Lineker, you may have guessed by now. This is Walking the Dog. I'm Emily Dean and I'm with Gary Winston Lineker to give him his full name. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I like Winston. I wish I'd been called Winston, not Gary. Really? It's a good name, isn't it? Good name for headlines and stuff, not like Gary. Was it, uh, were you named after Winston Churchill? Yeah, same birthday. Were you born on the same day? Different year. <laughs> but yes, 30th of November. And why do you think your parents went for Gary? Um, I think it was after Gary Cooper. Oh, that's quite glamorous. Mm, well, yeah. Um, so talk us through where we are. We're with you. We're with you, obviously. Yeah. But we're with your lovely dog, Snoop. Who's, mm-hmm. is, I, mean, I think he looks like a golden Labrador or a retriever. Yellow Labrador, I think they call them. Yellow Labrador. Yeah, he's great. He's now, he's nearly nine. Oh, is he? Yeah, he's my best mate. Look at him. Is he? Never answers back. <laughs> do you t- how many walks a day do you take him for? If oh, varies. At, at least two, sometimes three. Okay. Yeah. And I should say, we don't need to be too specific about where we are in case... No, we're in a common in south-west London. Yeah, okay. And is this where you take him for the walk all the time? Yeah, because it's easy. Strike, yeah, right near the front door. And why did you buy Snoop then? I to buy him. I never thought of it like that. <laughs> it's like an item of clothing. Why did you buy that dog? Um, well, I never thought it was a purchase, but I suppose he did cost a few quid way back. Um, we just wanted a dog at the time, and like dogs. Yeah. And why Snoop? I don't know. We kind of fancied a little lab and went down to the south coast and found him. And, and we took him back when he was eight, eight weeks old and he went... Um, we, Where's he going? Well, he took him and he, he was car sick all the way back. Oh, yeah, no. Yeah, it was did terrible. He's in the right state. Did you have a buyer's um, remorse? <laughs> a little bit. We thought, oh, we've picked that one. Um, he was car sick for a few Then he gradually grew out of that. Although he's still a little bit wobbly in a car. He doesn't like the travelling too much. So was there an element of you? Was it a slight... Because you were kind of blending two families in a way, weren't you? So do you think there was an element of, oh, this would be nice kind of thing to do when you've got young kids and stuff as well? well I think for the young kids in particular, I don't think it was a deliberate ploy to kind of 
merge the families together in any way, shape yeah. or form. But um, yeah, the, the kids all love dogs. And, and did you have uh, dogs when you were growing up? No, I had cats, funnily enough. My mum liked cats. So I had about four cats. This is in Leicester and this is Margaret, your mum, wasn't it? Margaret, it? Yes. Yeah. yes. And Barry. Um, yeah, my dad Barry, yeah. So well, tell me about your cats then. Oh, I wish I could remember. It's about 50 <laughs> years ago. Uh, <laughs> I remember we named three of them after characters of Jungle Book. Yeah. I think it was Mowgli. This is testing me. <laughs> Baloo. Yeah. And Bagheera. And the other cat was called. This was my favourite cat. Okay. Because it had an extra, like, not paw, but, you know, the um, bits on the end of paws. Oh, the, did, the weird thing that makes me feel a bit sick. Yeah, he had an extra thing. one. And we, it, I called him Jason. Why was he called Jason? Because I was just being an idiot. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> so did you like the cats? I liked the cat, but Jason went missing once and never saw him again. And I was really cut up about it. And I used, okay. to, I used to go looking for him. Really? Yeah. Stuck in my memory. In fact, I'd just about got over it until you just mentioned it. I'm going I've got this real <laughs> image of you running around in your in a sort of football kit. Yeah, that's saying, pretty accurate. Jason! Jason! Yeah, that was exactly it. Snoops, oh, he's, uh, he's pooing, doing you see? What he does. Have he's you got poo- the plastic bags, I've Gary? got a poo bag. Yeah, of course. Yes. I've got a really small shih tzu. He's just doing a small <laughs> shih tzu. <laughs> you lined me up beautifully. You were like Peter Beardsley then. Oh, it's one of those cushy ones. I hate those, don't you? I hate doing this. I'm it always makes me gag. Compared to Peter Here we go. Beardsley. There you go. Evidence that I pick up my dog poo. Oh. Green. Wow. That's a bad colour, Snoop. What have you been eating? Snoop, that's really... I've not done that very well. That, that was like Simpsons yellow. Yeah. Problem is it, I've got a bit on the handle. OK, do you want me to help you with the poo? Are you though? good at that? Sure. I'm quite good at that normally, but... I mean, as I say, the Shih Tzu doesn't, ironically, <laughs> doesn't seem to... It's just been over there, the, anyway. Do you know what? This is like a 45-year-old adult male has gone to the bathroom. It's, Are we going to walk with this? It's a rotten. Time? No, there's a bend somewhere. Okay. Snoop. I don't remember where it is. Um, Do you think there's one near here? It's a bit pongy, isn't it? That? It's a bit smelly. I've got a plan here. What are you going to do? Tie it without touching the bit that. There's a bit of poo on it. Yeah, because it was so. Anyway, this is okay. lovely, lovely subject. Why don't I carry it? It's okay, I've got it. Snoop. You've brought deep disgrace on the Lineker family. <laughs> <laughs> So you got the cats named yeah. after the Jungle Book. <laughs> yeah. You got ba- Barry and Margaret, and Barry had a stall. Was it? Is that right? Like a market stall? My dad's yes, Frutra, on Leicester Market, which was the biggest outdoor market. Yeah. In, I think in Europe at the time. I don't know whether that's still the case. Uh, it's still going. And it, but it was a kind of long-established, very small family business. Yeah. Um, fruit store. Used to get up four or five in the morning and buy all his stock take it sell it all day and then come home and do his book work at night then collapse on the sofa and when he wasn't working he was either fishing or playing cards so did you have a sense growing up because you strike me as someone with an incredibly strong work ethic did you have a sense of him being like that when you were growing up yeah he had a, yeah he worked all hours god sends really so um i suppose it had its influence on me yeah. Um, subconsciously. What do you mean subconsciously? Well, I didn't, you know, I don't think about it when I was young, but I think it rubbed off. Were you academic? Mm, not particularly. I was so obsessed with sport that I didn't really like school very much, except after school when I could, you know, 
to stay on and play football or cricket in the summer. Yeah. So even though I was reasonably bright and did okay without working as hard as I should probably have done. Yeah. I think my last report was something like he, you know, he just needs focuses way too much on football. He's, he's never going to earn a living at that. Something. I like that because yeah, if there is I a, like that. No, but I tell you, why I like that because it's like the the Gary Lineker story. Yeah. That's the thing that I I'm, would imagine. Which way are we going to go? I'm going to turn you left here because I know there's a bin down at the Wrong. end there. <laughs> You're turning everyone left <laughs> on Twitter, bin? but that's another story. No, we'll I get on to that. I'm not even lefty. <laughs> not really. You are a lefty. No, I'm a bit. I'm sent. I'm sent left of centre. But I think everyone now gets bracketed, don't they? They're either right-wing fascists or left, lefty, lovey, whatever they want to call it. And you were called Snowflakes. Easter. Not particularly. I'm, I, I felt a little bit sort of, I don't know, what's the way to say? I think politically, I don't think in the last election, I find it very difficult, probably like a lot of people, to know who to vote for. Because mm. um, my politics was is really kind of not that far left and not that certainly not right are you prepared to say how you voted um nah i'll say if you do (laughs) (laughs) i get enough i get enough rubbish as it is okay but i think people probably might work it out for themselves okay yeah well i'm saying labor yeah okay you just said it (laughs) (laughs) this is like frost nixon um i voted strategically I mean, it's hardly the exclusive <laughs> of the year. Gary Lineker votes Labour. I didn't. I might not have done. Do you feel a bit sorry for Theresa May now? Not really. You want to put yourself in a position to be a Prime Minister and have the ambition and um, to do a job that, you know, you're going to get stick, aren't you? It's like being the England football manager. It's probably the only worst job, isn't it? You know, you're generally going to upset a lot of people a lot of the time. What would you rather be, England manager or Prime Minister? Oh, um... Oh, uh, neither really, but I think I'm probably better equipped to, with, to be England manager than I would be to be Prime Minister. Okay. Yeah, I'm not, you know, I don't profess to be particularly knowledgeable when it comes to lots of different aspects of politics. There are certain oh, areas... I say that, but a lot of people say that you should go into politics now. Yeah, but... <laughs> yeah, well, a lot of people do say that and they've said it to me, but, but I don't see why. Just because Sorry, I've... Gary, it's, uh, it's another dog, yes. Snooper's just... He's all right. He's, he's, yeah, yeah he, he does this thing where he stalks Snoop. Does he stalks like a like he thinks he's a lion. Oh, right. Hello. Hi. Hi. He's not a bad heart, so... Oh, all right. He's Aww. all right. He's very soft and gentle know, nowadays. She, she's, like, grumpy, I think, because she can't... Yeah. I, know, I don't normally keep her on the lead, but she has to be on the lead now. Aww. No running. Aww. Oh, well. Shame, isn't it? Yeah. She's not very old. She hates being on the lead, off the lead. They all, I know. Yeah, they That's do, like Gary. That's why we've let him off I'll it today. It. <laughs> He's not old I'm either. On the lead. You just let. There you go. It's all friendly around here, you see. Nice people. <laughs> do you get? Do you get sort of people a little bit starstruck whenever they come across you? Um, I just, do you know what? I, people notice me all the time, and I, I get. It's something I get used to. Mm. In fact, it's so normal that I don't really notice it so much. People with me notice it far more than I do. Yeah. They'll go, oh, look at the way they look at you. Then they start whispering as they walk away. Or, yeah. And, you know, obviously everyone wants a selfie now and stuff like that. But um, it's so normal. It's been like that for so long. Pretty much most and of people, your life. You know, people are always pleasant. 
not on Twitter, they're not. No. <laughs> um, people get very um, enraged at times, but in public, I've never had any kind of particular malice whatsoever. Yeah. Um, apart from when I was a footballer, obviously, you've got plenty there. Well, I was going to say, you get that much more then, don't you? Yeah. Um, so I want to go back to when you were growing up in Leicester. So your dad's getting up early at the mm. market, and are you helping out occasionally, young Gary? Yeah, I did a little bit when I was kind of in the summer holidays, um, Christmas, when he was really busy. Did you think you'd do that? No, I just thought that's what put me off. Why? Just so, such hard work. Getting up four o'clock in the morning, working all day until about six o'clock at night. So what did you think you'd do? Well, I always thought and hoped that I would be either a footballer or a cricketer. Mm. Um, and I always thought that if I didn't make it, then perhaps I'd be a sports journalist, which is, I guess, what happens to most sports journalists that probably give up on being any good at sport. So I was kind of, that was where I was pretty focused on going. And I always actually thought I'd be more likely to be a cricketer than a footballer. Right. Because I was, felt like I was a bit better when I was younger, because I wasn't an early... I wasn't obviously brilliant at an early age. You know. I was going to say, what happened? When did they realise that you were talented then? Well, I got picked up by Leicester when I was 12. Yeah. Um, which is a lot later than it is now. I was very quick and I kept scoring goals when I was a kid right through. Mm. And then I had a trial with Leicester when I was 16 and um, I got in. And Do you remember that? Be really thrilled. Oh God, yeah, and surprised to be honest. Yeah. And it's every level that I reached in football, so I kept thinking would find me out. I remember getting into Leicester's reserves for the first time, and I was sitting around players that I'd watched when I was a bit younger. Yeah. And I thought, well, what am I doing here? This is. And you know, I played, and I still managed to score goals. And then all of a sudden, I found myself in Leicester's first team when I was about eighteen, nineteen. And again, I was sitting next, sitting in the same room as my heroes. Yeah. Rather than clean up their kit, which I'd done for the previous few years. Um, but it just kind of, kind of coped with whatever level I've reached. And even with England, when I remember getting the phone, I got a phone call at home from Gordon Milne, who was the then Leicester manager. Yeah. He's saying... He and said, when is this? This is this like... Was, I was 24. I wasn't, a, yeah. you know, I wasn't like Michael Owen or Rooney or any of these child superstars. I was 24, so I got a call, and it's Gordon Milner on the phone. He said, um, "Pack yourself a toothbrush, come into the club and grab your football boots." He said, "You've got to get yourself up to Wrexham. You've been a late call-up. Someone had pulled out the squad for the England squad. For the England squad. And this for the A team, not the B team. No, this was yeah. the England squad. I'd yeah. never played in any under 21s, any anything. Right. Um, but I had started scoring quite a lot of goals for Leicester. So I remember driving up and I. Were you living at home at the time? Yeah, I was still with my parents. So what do your parents say when that I didn't earn any money then. It's not like now. <laughs> How on, much did you earn? I was, well, I was 24. I was on 400 quid a week. Which was that quite a lot It back seemed then? all right to me. Was, but, you know, it's a bit different to what it is now. Should we put the like umbrella four, up, Gary? Yeah, it's starting to rain, isn't it? Snoop, we're going to have it's the umbrella. It's nearly 400 grand a week now. But anyway. But relatively speaking, it's still not that much. No, it was, but it was, it was all right. Here you go. It works. Yeah. Um, no, it wasn't that much, but that wasn't, you know, I just, I just love playing anyway. So I drive up to Wrexham and pull in the car park and there's, you know, there's people like Trevor Francis and Peter Shilton, who was my childhood hero, and all these superstars. And I, was, I just thought, what am I doing here? 
Um, and I didn't get on in that particular game. He left me on the bench. Mark Hughes scored a cracker that day, I remember. But that's interesting that you, even you, felt imposter syndrome, I believe they yeah, call it. a little it. bit. I was a, you know, I was a late developer. You know, I think it was a good couple of years before I actually kind of believed that I could play at that level and do do well and become confident in my own ability. I think it's, yeah. it's probably the you know the World Cup in '86. That was your big tournament, wasn't it? In terms the of life the world changer. stage, it's a life changer. I mean, I'd already gone to Everton, and I, you know, I'd won two successive Golden Boots with Leicester, then Everton. But you know, to do it on the world stage against the great players of the world and to kind of win the golden boot was well, just beyond the dream. The only person who thought I'd do that was my dad. He had 14 to 1 he backed me at to be top scorer. And so tell me what that's like when that, after that tournament. Was that, you say it's a life changer. Yeah. In what way did your life change? Fame levels obviously changed massively. Cause yeah. Suddenly I was not just recognised you know, in, in Liverpool and, and Leicester. I was recognised right throughout the world. But Barcelona came in yeah. Um, they bought me. All of a sudden, I was playing for the. You so you're earning a lot more money. Well. I was earning a lot more money. Um, nicer cars, nicer yeah. life, nicer holidays. Yeah. But what interests me about that, and actually skipping forward to kind of 1990, really, I think if you look at you and someone like Paul Gascoigne, you're you were probably as famous each, as each other at that time, weren't you? You were sort of two of England's biggest stars, and. It interests me that your ability to handle fame and that level of attention. Why is that? Why are you kind of okay? And why did you not? Well, we're different. We're all different people. I think yeah. one of one of the the other massive difference between the two of us. He's he's got far more natural talent than I had. He's an unbelievably gifted, brilliant, wonderful footballer. I was kind of more my thought thought driven. I kind of worked out the process. Yes, I had. My, I was incredibly quick, but I didn't have a great touch. I couldn't, you know, I couldn't dribble past you now. Um, not that no one talks to you, your defensive abilities, uh, Emily, but, um, I, but I couldn't. I was not my game. I could knock it and run past someone occasionally. That was the best. But, but, but I kind of worked out how to do things, and I, I kind of manipulated things, and I, my movement, I knew about movement. Um, so we were different animals in all sorts of aspects, both on and off the pitch. You know, Which way now, Gary? We can go. We can go this way yeah. under the trees. Less rain. So you were saying you and Paul were kind of diff- you and Paul Gascoigne were just different. We're different creatures. Yeah, I mean we got on really well. Um, yeah, but and football was his entire life, really, in many ways. I mean, he liked a bit of fun and stuff, but um, but he had. You could see it back then. You know, he had issues. He had you know vulnerabilities. He had a you know addictive personality. So. You know, just it's it's been it's been tough for him, but you you go in different ways, don't you? I was given a a mental resilience. When um, you say you were given it, by who? Well, I don't know. I was born with it. You're one of the most famous people in the country, mm. but you also seem to handle it in a unique way. And I'm interested as to why and how that is. Mm. And is that to do with your parents? Is that to do? Well, with they you? say most things come from the parents, don't you? In genetics, etc. Both of my parents were. I mean, my dad could be a bit fiery. And my brother's entirely the opposite to me, but so so who knows really how much the influence um, comes down. My grandparents are a big influence on me, my grandfather, I should say. Um, and then, I don't know if, if we all understood why and how and 
you know, psychiatrist would never have a job. <laughs> well, yeah, but would you? Do you go to? Have you ever been to a psychiatrist? Oh, I may have been. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, this way. Let's get away from the road. Come on, we'll go back down here for a minute. Yeah. So that means yes. Well, I, you've got to try everything, haven't you? And how did you find I it? I find it all right. Actually. I quite like. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, it's quite nice to talk to someone. Because um, I, I'm, sure. I go and I really like yeah, it. Yeah. I have a therapist. Yeah, I'd recommend it to anyone, really. Would you? you? Know, yeah, because we all have. You know, whoever we are, we have ups and downs in life, don't we? And if you, you know, if you, if it's open to you. Yeah. And you get the right person, then I think it's. Um, like I think it's brilliant well, that you said blokes. that. But I think it's amazing always, that you said that. We have that. to toughen up, don't we? Yeah. You know, we seem to be, oh, you know, can't show weakness. But I think we're all, we all have our concerns and our worries and our fears. And What are, you, what are your concerns? What keeps you up um, at night? I, I'm, it's not so much fears with me. It's, I'm not very, you know, I don't like confrontation, which... Really? And stuff, only with people that count, not, yeah. not talking about social media here because no or alan shearer having that's a different bag well we don't we're (laughs) arguing about a football thing but i don't i suppose i don't like letting people down um stuff like that really that's probably my my one kind of area where i find it difficult do you cry oh yeah i can cry i can cry i'm nearly crying now i'm talking about (laughs) it no um yeah when did you last cry softy um oh Oh, I'd cried on the plane terribly. What movie was it? <laughs> when I came, I just came back from New York. What did I watch? Um, terribly. Oh, that lion. Have you oh, seen that? No, is it sad? Oh, well, it's not so much. It's not actually that sad in a way. Well, some of it is, but it's very, yeah, very kind of emotive. I found that's it's good. Re- highly recommended. So you, you, I, I have this really poignant image of you yeah. sitting there. I'm assuming you turn left on the plane, Gary. <laughs> Um, no, I didn't actually. Oh, did I turned right. It wasn't, yeah. Cause did it, you? It, yeah, it wasn't economy, but it was. It was I was yeah. in the middle. Yeah, it was well, business. I was in business. Yeah. yeah. Sitting there sobbing. Yeah. I know. I was. <laughs> <laughs> I do that a lot. Do you think. I don't know whether. I've often wondered this. Whenever I watch <laughs> films on planes, I cry more. I don't know whether there's a thing about the pressure. There on is a planes. theory is about that. that? Fact? Yeah. Well, I don't I don't, know I've always fact. wondered. I don't know. I've no idea. It's, well, when you say whenever. I mean, how often do you do this? Do you do it quite often? What, fly or cry? <laughs> no, cry on pain. If I watch a film, often. Yeah. Um, I, I read something where it is related to the pressure. Yeah. It is to do with that. I and started also, to if you really, have a drink as well. I started to really worry when it was dumber and dumber. <laughs> Did you cry at that? <laughs> no, I'm joking. That's messy. Yeah. It's well, we'll go on to that, your that, dad jokes. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> that's a whole other section. So, um... Your mum, um, talking of kind of expressing emotion and stuff, your mum passed away, was it last year, Gary? Uh, 18 months ago. Yeah. yeah. And that must have been a really sad day. Oh, yeah. Of course. I mean, it is, you know, you only have one mum, don't you? And she was great. Great personality. A lovely woman. She'd been struggling, though. She was ready to go. And, um, yeah, it's tough. It was tough. What do you think your mum gave you, like, qualities-wise? She gave me swarthy skin. Did she? Yeah, that's where it comes from. All the mother, my mum's side are two brothers. Um, what else did she give me? As a person? She gave me calmness. Did she? Yeah, my mum was, you know, very calm. Quite sarky. I wish I've got that as well on occasions. <laughs> um, good sense of humour. Yeah, so I think she gave me a, probably my, the, 
my, my calm side, which is very me. I don't, you know, I don't, I'm not fiery at all. I haven't really got a temper. You haven't, have you? But not you really. said to me once when I was with you in a car, and you won't make that mistake again, you said that um, you get road rage sometimes. Occasionally I get road rage. I get, not, not to excessive levels, but I can be irritated by, we go, we'll go around Should there. Should we go actually. here? Yeah. It is wet. Do you mind? I don't mind, but do you no, mind? No. Should we go under here? It's a bit more shady. Oh no, because we'll end up in the. No, we're okay. That's I like, don't I've, mind. I've let you have the umbrella now. You've, been, <laughs> oh, no, you've shamed me. <laughs> you've shamed me, so I'm getting soggy. So, but that's okay. I don't want you to get that's soggy. Right. I we're feel okay. bad. We're okay. He's all right. Snoop. He's having a ball. Yeah. So from your mum, you get calmness, and from your dad, what do you get? I think from your... my dad's side of the family, athleticism. And, you know the sporty side of things, yeah. and obviously that that you mentioned earlier, probably the work ethic. Did he was he a disciplinarian, your dad? Um, he could be, yeah. In fact, I remember, you know, this whole thing about the fact that I was never booked and and sent or sent off and stuff comes. I remember when I was about must have been fourteen, fifteen, that sort of age, when you start to get a bit of attitude. And I was playing in a match on a Sunday morning for the local side that I played for. And the ref gave something against me, which I, which I knew was wrong. Yeah. And I, I, I swore at the ref. My dad, my dad marched onto the pitch and picked me by the scrub. He says, you never, ever talk to a referee like that again. Did he? He took me off, took me home. Just took me home, shamed me. I was so embarrassed. I was so embarrassed that I think that's probably really? the reason why I was actually... I never kind of demonstrated too much with referees and... I think that's true, though. Yeah, I think it had an influence. on a very different scale, admittedly, I remember I stole something when I was really young from some family friends. It was a little pink Rolls Royce, and I put it in my bag, and my mum brought it out in front of the whole family we were staying with and said, Em, this isn't yours, is it? You stole a little pink Rolls Royce? (laughs) Yes. And I I said, no, I didn't put it there. And she said, we'll go this way. She said, I think you did, and I think you should apologise for stealing it. And so I never stole again because the humiliation. Uh, yeah. whereas, so... whereas I've never got, I, no one told me about stealing, so I've just been stealing, stealing things ever since. Yeah. So Snoop, I think, you know what, Gary, yeah. I'm loving walking the dog with yeah, you. It is getting a bit torrential <laughs> now, isn't it? It's like in that scene in uh, Four Weddings with, Don't is it raining? Don't movies, I'll start crying. <laughs> I hadn't noticed. <laughs> do you know yeah, that bit? I know, yes, I do. So it's getting, the rain is getting a bit like Richard Curtis has paid for the rain. So I think we should go in with Snoop and okay. maybe we can have a cup of tea yep. and carry on our chat because I'm not done with you yet. <laughs> there we go. We're in. Someone's there. Angus is there. The youngest. Hey, Angus. How are we you? We met before. I'm Emily. This is Emily. How remember? are you? Nice to see you. Nice to see you too. Oh, we're really wet. We've just oh, been yeah. taking the dog Doing for a walk. Interviewee yeah. dog walky thing. You good? I'm very wet, yeah. Um, soggy. <laughs> Shall we go down? Should I take my shoes off? Nah. They're really dirty, Gary. Yeah, it's only wood. I think Angus, he, he, he prefers Angus. Give him a treat, Goose. <laughs> left, 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 left. Cupboard, low. You got it. So I love the way the boys just come and hang out here. <laughs> I know. <laughs> so do they've all just got keys and just come... Um, well, they haven't all got keys because they're losing them and they don't give them again. This <laughs> <laughs> drives me mad, getting keys cut. Well, there's four but, of yeah, them. Yeah, George is here pretty much most of the time now because he works. And Harry's 
as well a bit because they both work in town. Mm. But how do they not bring all their mates back here? Because this is extraordinary, this place. <laughs> well, they do. That's There's the table problem. tennis. That's the problem, they do. There's a bar. Of course there is. Let's get Angus to make us a cup of tea. Good luck <laughs> with that. Goose! Put the kettle on. Can you do that? <laughs> can you manage that? Put the kettle on. Yeah. Thanks, Angus. He's my, he's, he's my last teenager. Is he your last teenager? He's my last teenager. And that changes in a few weeks, early August. That's it. It's weird, isn't it, having four boys? Because you sort of think, do you feel, are you relieved? None of them went into football, did they? Um, no, the middle two were quite useful. Harry was good, but not driven at all. He never really loved it mm. enough. He loves football, but playing-wise, when he was growing up, he, he'd turn up on a Sunday morning and suddenly go, I don't want to play today, Dad. Went, oh, all right. <laughs> Whatever. And did you not push him? Um, you can't push someone. Into, no, they're not that keen, they're not that keen. And then my third, Tobias, um, was at Chelsea's Academy for a couple of years. And then he got that thing called Osgood Slatters, the knee condition. Okay. Growing thing. Um, and he couldn't play for about two and a half years. So that mm. kind of um, did for him. But they both still play a bit. Um, and they all play. They all, well, George, by his own admission, is... Is, is, is it wrong as to he have says, a I'm hopeless. And say it's George. <laughs> I, know you're I, used not get, I used to get parents come up sometimes <laughs> watching, like, you know when you're watching the kids and uh, it's one like pet hates in life, parents watching football matches and Why? shouting and screaming and oh, yeah. getting overly carried away. At least two or three occasions I had parents come up and, and say, well I thought he might be a bit better than that. <laughs> about George? <laughs> about George. And I used to say, well you know, you know the genes come from two areas and his mother's really crap at football. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you say that jokingly, but that makes me feel relieved that he didn't become a footballer. No. Because that would have been his whole life. Unless they're really seriously good. It's probably better that they find a different... Otherwise, the comparisons would be relentless. As long as they're happy and they get on with their life. You've got a good relationship with them now, Yeah, and then, you? you know, they're growing up into nice people and interesting and good fun and sociable animals. They go through spells where they, you know, drive you to distraction. Were you a strict dad? Uh, Strict-ish when they were younger, but less so as they've got older, I think. But are you one of those dads, would you ever sort of turn up and go, what time do you call this or something if they come in late? If they come in late. <laughs> what time do they come in? Oh, slimy. What's late? <laughs> George is out at m- nightclubs most uh, well, nights. Uh, no, I sound no, about he's, he's working George now. George is only, he's only goes out weekends, actually. So you have, is Ella upstairs as well? Ella's here somewhere, yeah. Oh, so that's Danielle's yeah. daughter. Yes. And she's your stepdaughter, really, wasn't she? Oh, yes. Yeah, she not, is, not, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> totally, yeah. I know. She'll always, to me, she'll always be. She's, you know, she's... That's really lovely. Yeah. I remember Danielle saying to me that you'd said she'll always have a room here. Mm. And I think that, that... She's in it now. <laughs> <laughs> Evidence. Yeah, but I, I'm not going to... I mean, I know Danielle, obviously. She's a friend of mine, as mm-hmm. you know. I know. And I'm not going to talk about why you split up, because that's none of my business and it's yeah. none of anyone else's business. But what I do want to say to you is that I think it's so impressive, and I'm still gobsmacked at the way mm. you handled it, both of you, and how classy it was and how you've kept this really lovely friendship mm. and how the hell did you do it? Because it's genuine. You know, you couldn't, you know, and everyone that's close to us knows that. So, you know, that's, that's how it is. And, and that's how it will always, I hope, always be. I mean, things change in life at some point. Hopefully not. 
Um, but yeah, we're, you know, she's a great person and we're, we're really close. But, you know, just at one point in our lives, we wanted different things and that was it. So, no, we're, we're great. We're great. We have a lovely, really, you know, cool connection. But it's really, a lot of people found it really difficult to understand. But it's not their life. <laughs> it doesn't really matter what everyone else thinks, does it? Um, which I've learned along, <laughs> along the way, along the, the rocky road of life. I've learned that ultimately it's about, you know, it's about people that are close to you. It's about your family. It's about your friends. It's about what they think, not what people that don't know you think about you. Because yeah. they really don't. If you don't know someone, you, you can have opinion about them, but you don't really know until you meet them. I was just really impressed by it. Well, it's, uh, it's lovely of you to say so. But, yeah, it's, I think it's just a, a grown-up. I, mean, I don't think it's unique. I think it's probably unusual. Um, and perhaps in some ways, if you, you know, go your different ways, it's easier if you hate each other. I don't know. <laughs> uh, I don't think so, but for others, maybe. Yeah. But you, and you saved a lot of money, both of you, as well. <laughs> well, um, that was just avoiding lawyers and stuff, yeah. Yeah, because you spoke about that, which I mm. thought was interested in. You just said you thought... They always just make money out of it, basically, don't they? Yeah, and I think they milk the situation, and you know, and they cause anxiety between um, couples quite easily. And I think there should be a different kind of formula, because yeah. ultimately, I think it, it, it works itself out at some point. It becomes mathematical. Yeah. And ultimately, that's that's they sh- you should just go straight to that. Well, I think also what happens is people split up often and then they make decisions about that kind of stuff when they're in the heat, white heat of anger. Mm. And I think that's the worst time for anyone mm. to make a decision. Yeah. So I think if you'd ask but, anyone... Yeah, if you but know, we never went through an anger stage, so it was, it was never about that. So I think that makes it a lot easier. Well, maybe but they can drive that wedge in if, on, yes. on the lawyer route. They can do that. And, it, and I've spoken to many, many people in similar... In, in circumstances like that, that it's happened to them. Yeah. That, you know, it starts amicable, right, okay, we've got a different way in life now. Um, and then we decide, they decide to split. And then all of a sudden the lawyers get involved and the letters start exchanging and all of a sudden it becomes gradually more and more unsettling for each couple. And then, then there's a bit of anger and then they start, you know, despising the other person yeah. it's, it's horrible and it's and it largely i think it's unnecessary but you know not in all the cases or all examples but there's certainly certainly many well i think you're right though but you know when you're mad you're not in a position to you don't make good choices mm. you know because you're just being you're motivated by fury and you're not motivated by sense or mm. reason no. i don't do fury but do you I not take your word for it <laughs> Really, Gary? Oh, I don't. Really? Oh, I know. It's not. It's not. It's not how I am. I don't do. I can't. You know, I can get irritated occasionally for about two minutes, and then I oh. can sulk. Can you? Are you yeah, a sulker? I can have a little sulk occasionally. So what's a ga- How does a Gary sulk go? Is it, it goes you? quiet for about ten minutes, and then back to normal. So is it? <laughs> when you were Danielle, for example, if she'd say, "You okay?" I don't know. You okay, G? Yeah. How, how do you respond? I go, "Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm all right." <laughs> Wow, <laughs> that's bad. <laughs> is that bad? Why is that bad? What do you want? Rage. So what would it take for you to get angry at this moment? If I just, like, smash that very expensive lamp? It's not very really cheap as chips, are Oh, is it? Where is it from? Oh, I don't know. Um, I think it's from John Lewis. <laughs> <laughs> what would you say? OK, there must be something expensive in this gap. <laughs> that bottle of Dom Perignon. But why would you just smash that? <laughs> why would... <laughs> 
mean, obviously, I'd be mildly irked. Would you say <laughs> mildly irked? <laughs> as long as you cleared it up. <laughs> what do you, in your sort of, in your yeah. relationship or something, what winds you up? What makes you so think? My so- boys can wind me up. That's probably the one thing. Do they? they? Yeah, not so much nowadays, but in fact, they still can occasionally. But yes. What sort of thing? I don't know. When they were growing up, we were fighting each other. As, the, as boys do anyway, and dragging them apart, and then they used to wind each other up, and he used to say to them, listen, oh, you're going to end up fighting, now, just, let's stop this now, and you know, and then they just keep going, and the one upstairs there, Angus, he was the youngest, mm. he used to, you know, he'd do it, and he'd wind them up, and he'd wind them up, and he said, oh, I'm just playing, it's just a game, and then they'd end up fighting, and he'd drive me mad, that's, that's when I could, <laughs> if that's what you want. And um, I wanted to ask you something else, which is, after, I mean, you just—you know—you obviously decided to change careers because mm. you had to, really. Well, you, you've got no choice in football, <laughs> and there's a lot of life after football. And um, I suppose nowadays they earn such astronomical sums as long as they're quite sensible. Right? They can kind of pick and choose what they want to do. But if you're at the top, you know, the kind of level that I reached. But um, knowing post football is a lot—it's way more life post football than during it. Well, po- there can be. But for every Gary Lineker, there's someone who's kind of got out of shape and the adrenaline has nowhere to go. And it's, it's actually, I know people, you know, they, I'm not trying to kind of garner sympathy towards, towards footballers and, and things have changed in terms of salaries, etc. But the same problems will persist because being a professional footballer, earning kind of vast sums of money, you get used to spending vast sums of money and... And you kind of don't think it's going to end, and then it, it does end, and all, all of a sudden the salary disappears, but the way of life might continue. Right. Um, you don't get that kind of fame buzz, perhaps the adrenaline rush of walking out in front of a full house. I mean, a lot of people get you know, de- decent jobs in television or going to coaching, but there are nowhere near as many jobs in that as there are actually being a footballer. Yeah. So the vast majority of players have to find something else that they can do, and, not, and they're not really equipped to do it they've had no training so they might you know invest in a business or something that you know most times businesses don't quite work out they lose a bit of money there then they get a bit depressed and get down the divorce rates of footballers between I think the age of 33 and 40 is something ridiculously really? high like 70% because the footballers might change you know they fall out they get divorced and they lose obviously a lot more of their money and then mm. all of a sudden it's difficult so many ex-footballers have had problems you know we're yet to see whether that will be the same given the amount of money that the players are earning now yeah it's, I mean, it's hugely different to, to my time um, so it's you know it's not all bed of roses really it's well not. it's not for others but it is for you no, I've been lucky, that's what I mean, I've been incredible, and I'm totally appreciative of the fact of how fortuitous I've been in life, to have, been, um, to have had the ability, A, to play football, and then find something else associated to the game that I love, that I can do as a living afterwards. Hey, is Angus putting the kettle on? Angus! <laughs> that's about as good as you'll get. Do you want to, do you want to pause for a cup of tea? <laughs> I'll have to make it. Angus! He's got the telly on, he won't hear anything. <laughs> <laughs> Gary's just made me a cup of tea. Yes, is it any good for this? It's so nice, but there's goat's milk. But well, you know. yeah, I'm sorry about that. That's why I'm not having one. <laughs> I've run out of milk, proper milk. It'll do. Yeah. And we got to see Angus, which was nice. Yeah. 
Yeah, so we, we were talking about when you made the transition from football. And I'm, I can imagine that when you did that, you strike me as the sort of person that would have ad- applied the 10,000 hours principle, if you're familiar with that concept. I'm very familiar with it. I think it's a bit of a mess, personally. Tell me why. Because I don't think you, you can possibly be a footballer by just doing the whole 10,000 thing without a natural ability. You know, if you could give me like 28-year-olds and that could walk across this room there, and 19 of them, I'll tell you, got no chance just by watching them walk. And there'll probably be one As footballers? You could tell if they could play. And, and you could give them 400,000 hours and they would never be... Do you think that's right? Oh. But then... Totally. I put it to you, Gary Winston Lineker, yeah. that earlier you said to me you didn't have natural ability like I, Paul Gascoigne I did. I said I didn't have as much natural ability as Paul Gascoigne, but I did have other strengths, um, one of which was searing pace and a cool head you know when you were playing at your peak let's say peak Mm -hmm. Lineker yep peak GWL mid to late 20s I would suggest was your peak yeah I think so 24 to 28 so that was 80 yeah I think of 90 as your tournament though do you Uh, 86 was oh 86 was yeah uh, that that period though mid 80s to the perhaps about 90 91 yeah. And then once you get to about 30, the old, the old pace Does the of, motor go? Well, the motor... It's really weird. Um, but you just get a little less quick. More experienced, which helps for a while, but then... And a little less powerful, it seems. Yeah. To do it, you know, so continuously. Do you see, when you look back, you know things like... When you look at Italia 90, and that's still... People know the commentary off by heart. People mm. remember what was said. People. I don't because I wasn't watching. <laughs> but people remember have a word with him. Has yeah. entered almost the lexicon. Yeah. Was you motioning mm. to um, Bobby Robson about Gaza? And that's something. I mean, I say that with friends as a sort of jokey yeah. reference. <laughs> and that's what's. It's so strange. It was, became such a big part, mm. a big sort of cultural moment, didn't it, for people? Everything. It became like an iconic moment. And it was. And I had obviously no idea at the time. I was, I, I was gesturing towards the dugout. You don't think about cameras or anything. But it was just that he's, you know, his bottom lip was starting to go a little bit. And even though he got booked and we knew what that meant, the fact that he, he would miss the final if we'd managed to beat Germany, which obviously we didn't. Um, you sound but, like you really got over that. <laughs> yeah, it's the only one thing. Look back and think. Nah. Does that still bother you? Well, yeah. I think I'll always. It's so to be that close to a World Cup final. And that's the fact that we probably would have beaten. Does. But the thing game. is, obviously, at the time, Gaza's there. He's getting all emotional, and even though we know he can't play in the final, we still want to get there. Um, so I'm just saying, like, you know, have a word with him, keep an eye on him, basically, and gestured to. I had no idea if that, that I'd done that gesture at all. But Gaza, you know, Gaza rallied anyway and played really well in the last um, half an hour of extra time. But, but it was, that was all it was. It was just a momentary thing. And then it wasn't until I got home or people started to oh, that thing. what did you do with Gaza? I've gone, what do you mean? No idea. No memory of it. But obviously you get reminded of your memories yeah. by, by seeing the footage. What does it feel like watching that now? Do you watch that ever? And do you think it was just such a moment in time, wasn't it, yeah. that you guys were this kind of band of brothers? And well, we're just looking at possibly doing a, a, a documentary on 90 with my production company. And my son, Harry, has kind of d- 
does lots of the work for us is has had to re- research goal, and log yeah. yeah goal hanger films and has logged every kind of minute of every match he's gone through over the last few months watching every every game and every moment and he keeps showing me clips of stuff that I have zero recollection of of me in the Doing match going you know, mainly any bit that you can see where I do badly <laughs> <laughs> oh what were you thinking there dad how did you miss that you hit the you know and then there are a couple of things where actually I created a chance and I went is that me? <laughs> I actually passed the ball to someone else. That was quite good. You must have some really good memories of those people, though, that you played with back then. Mm. And did you think, were you aware that you were part of something special? And that? Well, you're not aware at the time until, it, until you kind of go through it. I, I knew from my experience of 86 in Mexico, where you're actually in an environment, it's like you, you're like cocooned. You're in a hotel, there's security all around, you don't really see any, you see a few journalists. You do your training, you get on a bus, you go and play a game. You, you've got kind of no outside contact in the world. You've got to remember, back in the mid-80s, we're in, the mid, we're in Mexico. Uh, you know, players nowadays, they complain, don't they, about being bored and um, when they're on World Cups and stuff like that. And you think, bored, really? You've got, you know, you've got your phones now, the computers, you've got PlayStation, Xboxes, whatever you call them. All these kind of things to keep you occupied. We had, we had nothing like that. We just had a basically ourselves and I remember we could only make one phone call home a week from Mexico and that had to be from the main reception because you were no kind of it's like decent like crime yeah exactly so you <laughs> know when, you they, call your when, lawyer? They, when they moan <laughs> funny enough the only call I got was from my agent I got Barcelona kind of having a bit of interest before the World Cup and then spoke to my agent before I left and he said you know what do you want to do if it's... I said, listen, well, I'm with England. I said, I don't want any distractions. I said, just don't oh, tell me about me. it. I know the feeling. He said, and then after we heard nothing, it was obviously very quiet after the first two games when I kind of hadn't scored a goal. And then I scored a hat-trick against Poland. Then I got two against Paraguay. And then I, my agent called me. <laughs> he has got a phone call at reception. Ooh, this is exciting. So I go down and picked it up. And he said, listen, I, I, I know we'd agreed before, he said, but I feel I've got to say something because they're telling me Barcelona telling me if he doesn't agree to sign now the deal's off and I said to him well I can't do that now playing for England in the middle of the World Cup I said tell them to forget it I said if they're interested now they'll still be interested at the end of the World Cup and um, and they were <laughs> so it did still happen but yeah that's that was, kind that was... of balls of steel though isn't it well I don't know whether it's balls of steel or, or, or just, I think it's just the right thing to do. I mean, you can imagine the distraction if suddenly you've agreed to sign and it's in the middle of the World Cup and what. It's just, it, was just, it, would, it would have been wrong. And ultimately, if somebody wants you badly enough, they're still going to want you another week or two later. It's yeah. just being yeah. a, as a part of that, and yeah. that's just so exciting. And it is exciting. No, that, that was right, because you were saying, you know, 90, were you aware of being part of something special? Well, in 86, then you go home, and even though we... You know, we got to, only got to the quarterfinals. We, we got home to like incredible receptions and this, and you know, all of a sudden I was recognised everywhere I went, and life was just—it was just mental for a, a month or so. Good so mental. So I kind of, yeah, it was good, positive. You know, people, you know, they obviously they thought we were robbed because of the Maradona handball and all, and we rallied towards the end of the game, and we, you know, in difficult conditions for European football, we we did okay. So I kind of suspected the same thing would be um, the case with Italia 90. Um, mm. But it was even more so. In fact, I think it was a, a real watershed moment for football in this country. 
in terms of its popularity and in terms of getting a different kind of audience. Before it was very much working class man sport. Yeah. All of a sudden I think the middle classes got interested, women started to get interested, families watched it together. And I think it was a, a real, you know, just before the Premier League changed it again and we also had the Taylor Report with All Seater Stadium, it became a nicer place to go um, to watch sport yeah. rather than just after the hooligan period. Yeah, I think it was a real, a real moment for football. You say the middle classes. Do you consider yourself middle class now? No, I don't. Well, are you, do you change? Do you change what you are? Yeah, I, I don't think you know. I think you probably Well, I, I live a middle class life now. There's no question about that. Um, so I, I, but I've, I think I've still got some working class um, ethics. Have you? Morals or whatever What's that means. What? <laughs> <laughs> I don't even know what that means. Really. Uh, well, your work ethic. Are you? Well, work ethic and you are know. you extravagant or careful with money? Um, no, not. I don't. I'm certainly not extravagant. I. But at the same time, I don't. I don't think I'm. I'm, I'm not, not tight either. You're not. tight? No, no, definitely not. I don't think I, anyone would. You pick up the bill a lot. I, yeah, I quite like picking up the bill. Like I know, sometimes you'll go into town and you'll sort of hop on the train and stuff. Oh yeah, I very rarely. I don't drive much. Hardly at all. In fact, I've been without. A car. I was without a car for about. Well, I'm still without a car, but for about two months now. And I just, I just, I walk or you know, and it's, I can walk to the station. It's two hundred yards, and I get the train into town. If I go into town, I've got the bus a couple of times. Um, tube, yeah, quite what a lot. What's it like when you get on the tube? People look, <laughs> but they're all right. You know, I get a few pictures or whatever, but you know, ninety-nine point nine 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 percent of the time, people are really polite. And, um, is that important for you to be able to get the tube in the bus? Well, it makes it a lot easier. No, it's I don't mean in terms of the convenience. Uh, I just mean keeping, not completely living a cloistered life. Um, well, it's not. There's no deliberate strategy involving that. Um, but I think I've always had a degree of perspective on the real world. I hope so. I've, I've lost, not lost touch. Yeah, but still, Gary mm. Lineker on the bus. I, mean, I don't think like great. that. <laughs> I don't think that. that's not how I think. I know. Um, thankfully, <laughs> start thinking about myself in the third person. <laughs> I'll be a bit weird. Have you ever talked about yourself in the third no. person? No. If I ever do, please shoot me. <laughs> <laughs> what to your agent? Gary wouldn't do that. <laughs> when you started doing Match of the Day, which was a long time ago now, how many years have you been doing it? Uh, well, Des left in '99 when I kind of became the main. Mm. Uh, football presenter at the Beeb, so that's well, eight, 18 years. We lost it for three years, of course. So, yeah. I suppose 15 then. Do and he, and you're pretty good at it now, aren't you? I don't know. I just do it how I do it, um, and it's for other people to decide. But did you in like the it. early? But I've days. always had an advantage because obviously, in terms of presentation, I and mean, it's the reason I went into presenting, not being a pundit, because I always thought there might be a niche there. Because you looked at other sports like tennis with Sue Barker and cricket with David Gower and, mm. and it was always really kind of ex-people in the sport that presented it. Whereas football, we had obviously Jimmy Hill, but he was more of a pundit than he did a bit of presenting. And Bob Wilson, yeah. um, who was a goalkeeper, but no one that had ever done it who'd kind of played in World Cups and all. And I just thought, if, if I can crack the technical aspect of it, um, which took a time, I have did to it? say, that I thought I would give me an edge. Um, because I've been there, seen it, done it, and you know I can interview managers and and they can never turn around and say, well, you know, what do you know? 
Well, they can, but I'll argue with them. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) It's interesting now, because I look at you, Gary, and I think, right, you've you've got quite a nice life, haven't you? No, I've got a great life. And you've created it for yourself, admittedly. Mm. It's not like anyone's gifted you this. You've met, but when I see you on Twitter and talking about politics and just talking in general about... I know, what am I doing? Why don't I shut up? (laughs) Well, I suppose what I'm saying is, I think it's a much more human you, is Gary 2.0. Well, it's me. My Twitter feed is kind of me. It's, you know, it's a, I think it's kind of a little bit of a taster of someone's life. Or you, you find out what people are really like on social media. And, and that's me. If I feel strongly about a subject, if it, I, and I'll tweet heartfeltly, you know, and it's, people will take it or leave it. And it, it, it's very, we've got a very divisive moment in our society at the moment. And, you know, people will hate you for having a view which I kind of don't understand. Now, I'll disagree with someone and not like their view, but it doesn't mean that I won't like them as a person. But that's what yeah. it, it's become, especially with, probably with Brexit. You know, it, because obviously I'm not a great fan of the idea of Brexit. You'll remain. But I've got mates that are pro-Brexit. It doesn't affect our appreciation of each other as human beings. You know, just because someone's dif- opinion is different, um, but we can have, well, I'll, I'll argue with them. We'll have a debate about it. Mm. But I don't understand the venom. That's what I can't, I can't get my head around why people have to be angry about someone having an alternative opinion to them. Because that's part of life, isn't it? We'll have different views. Um, it's just become, so, it's become would... so them and us. And I think that's, I think that's re- it's, it's not only divisive, but it's also dangerous and it's unsettling. And it's, uh, I think it's sad. And obviously I had it also with... Refugees. The refugee crisis, and I was, you know, I just had a degree of sympathy for people that have had to flee their countries uh, under circumstances that which I don't think we can possibly imagine, and then just to kind of shun them and the world to shun them in the way that has, has happened in many aspects, you know, to to say to put out a little bit of sympathy on that terms, and then again you get most people I think reasonably sympathetic and understanding, but uh, even then you get you know some quite venomous responses and how do you never never in the flesh by the way never in the flesh ever not one yet but loads on social media i get lots of the opposite people being very supportive and saying when it's good what you. you're doing and you know keep it up etc but i never get the 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 alternative viewpoint face to face only behind a keyboard which is in itself I think interesting, but yeah. I've you know I've put myself out there. Sometimes I think you know maybe you should have shut up and keep your you know keep your big golf shut. <laughs> um, but you know by and large, I personally I feel I'm on the right side. Other people feel not. So and it's I think I've gone far enough down the road now that the, I don't think I'm going to turn back. Would you go into politics? Then we touched no, on. No, I've got no interest in. Would you in, go on Question that, Time? Uh, I've been asked have to go been? on Question Time lots of times, but. No, I don't think I would, no. I don't, Why? I'd, I don't think I'm expert enough on enough subjects. I've got my particular interests, which I'll, you know, I think I understand to a degree and I've done a lot of work on, but, you know, it doesn't mean to say that I have a massive interest on all sorts of aspects of politics, which, mm. you know, can come up in that show. So I don't, you know, I've got no great desire to, you know, I don't want to, push myself politically. I'm not trying to push myself politically. I'm just, what I do, on, I'm happy with just my little say on, on Twitter and put it out there, what I think. 
I don't think it's you know it doesn't carry that much weight. Well, you but say obviously that, I've but got quite a big. How many platform. followers have you got? Yeah, but people, you know, people. It's hard to pay. You're not going to change people's mind. How many followers have you got? I've got. I've. I've, I've it's over six million now. I think. Yeah. That's that's quite it's a, a lot. It's huge. It's bigger than the population of Scotland. Yeah. It's mental. Um, but again, you're not going to change people's opinions. You it's might not, get them to vote though. Which I, that was the one thing I wanted to do. I wanted to get people to vote, particularly the young people. I think it's important because it's their future. So that was something I felt strongly about. Therefore, I tweeted about it. Okay, so basically the battery just failed. Gary and I mm. were talking about how he's going to be um, an MP or mayor, possibly. <laughs> no, thanks. And no, we were talking about Twitter mm. and just how you handled some of the abuse on it. And I mean, apart from the obvious block well there is a block button which i use quite frequently if they say abusive stuff you don't need to accept that and it's nice to have that or mute them so they don't even know but that's a physical way of doing it but how yeah. do you block it from your mind gary um because i was a footballer and we used to it i never forget when i first that's started yeah. i first started at, at television and um I was in the office on. I was I was a pundit that day for much of the day, so we're in there on a Saturday afternoon, and there'd been a little article in the newspapers that was a bit derogatory, slightly negative about the show. And I remember Des and the then producer director um, of the show really getting in a terrible state about it, really upset. Mm. And I used to think, God, blimey, you've been a footballer, mate. I mean, the columns are the, where you get absolutely <laughs> obliterated. And obviously, as well as that, as getting the chance on the terraces from opposite fans. So, this, you know, Twitter's lightweight compared with, with a lot of it in, in, in many aspects. And also, that, that thing about when you meet people in the street, they don't, they don't necessarily do that. And you've also got to remember, actually, they're just differing. In, with, it's just a difference of opinion. And people get very kind of agitated and angry and... And fury, and I, you know, it's like defenders. They used to get angry sometimes when you did them. What I so, love, can I just say about everyone listening about talking to Gary, is that he'll often say it's like defenders, and you think, well, no, I don't know this Gary because I don't know how yeah, defenders. I, I, Frank I, Skinner once told me that you said <laughs> something along the lines of, well, you know, it's a bit like you know when you're about to take a penalty for England. Oh no, you don't. <laughs> <laughs> I was just teasing Frank on that occasion, but yeah, it's it, it's yeah, I kind of regularly use football analogies for life in general um can you tell me quickly what is it like to take a penalty for england um this is a little bit weird but i used to quite enjoy it i used to feel like it was the ultimate test of anyone's nerve or bottle or whatever you want to call it and it was in a position you know take for example two one down against cameroon seven eight minutes to go world cup quarterfinal um, I'd been penalty taker for England for four years, hadn't had one. But I used to practice every day, practice all the time. And then, and then all of a sudden it's a penalty, 2-1 down. And, and whilst obviously there's a little bit of tension... A little bit? I, I actually also felt, what a position to be in. As a striker, you want chances to score. That's a great chance to score. And as well as that, it's like almost wanting... I know it sounds a little bit arrogant, but it was almost like wanting to show off. Right, oh shit, this, this, is going, you know, this is going exactly where I've practised it every day for the last three weeks. And just hit it perfectly and it was like, you know, showing off. Stick your chest out, did it, you see? Got, got nerves of steel. But, you never... <laughs> but if you miss, then it's a disaster. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. 
Were you always able to, there's that saying of playing the game, not the occasion, isn't there? Mm. Were you always able to do that, do you think? Like David Beckham's quite good at that, isn't he? Mm. Playing the game, not the occasion. And, and people at the top level are good at that. Yeah. Were you good at that, obviously? Yeah, I think I, I, think I rose to the occasion in, in terms of the, it was the big games that I, I used to love and enjoy. Mm. And I, the adrenaline was greater and I, I just felt more comfortable. I, I struggled in kind of pre-season friendlies and I just motivated myself to to do it but the big games were the World Cups and stuff just great and your superpower Gary I think is that you don't care what people think of you I think, I think that would be a lie if I said I don't care what people think uh, I think we all care what, what people think but I think the important thing is it, the people it's important to think about the people that are close to you and what they think of you not people that don't know you okay and we should wrap up soon because I've been mm. here for about six hours. We went on a walk <laughs> and then I came back here. We're in red velvet chairs in your, um, I'm going to call this your leisure, your leisure mm. room. Yeah, it's where I spend most of my time from my Is my, it? My You've screen. got a massive telly. Well, of course. <laughs> of course. I mean, it's the biggest telly I've ever seen. Well, it's a, it's a kind of, it's a, you know, projector screen really. So, this is, so what happens most nights? You're here... A Gary, the evening in, talk me through it. You do a bit of cooking? Well, I cook, What's I like Tonight cooking. Tonight you've got friends over, what will you cook? I'm, I'm doing um, a little, um, little amatriciana, I think, <laughs> a rigatoni. Oh, a rigatoni? Yeah, pasta with the amatriciana sauce. What are you watching? Uh, well, it's what's going on at the moment. There's no, where's the football? No, actually, is it tonight? Oh, no, I think England and uh, under-21 semi-final tonight, isn't it? Okay. Against Germany. Huh, semi-final against Germany. It was like it was meant to be. <laughs> We're going to lose on penalties, aren't we? Yeah, I think that's tonight. So and will the boys it. hang about? I've got, I've got quite a few of them here tonight. I've um, got George, Angus, Harry's coming. And Ella, And the cousin. Here, yeah. Ella's here. All the gang's here. It'll be fun. And Danielle, obviously. Gary, it's been so nice talking to Absolute you. Absolute pleasure. And, I've, and look, poor old Snoop's disappeared. I mean, he was the point of all this. We went out for a walk. He's upstairs with Angus, I think. Yes, he is. Like, I'm really not surprised that you've got a Labrador <laughs> because I think they're a bit like you. What, eat everything in front of them? No, I think they're quite low maintenance and they don't get aggy. You wouldn't have said that when he was young. Really? No, and up until he was four or five, he's wild. Was that a bit like you up until a certain age? <laughs> not really. I'm trying to find my wild side now. Okay. <laughs> Can you wait until we've left? Yeah, I'm having a midlife crisis. <laughs> Just don't buy a leather jacket. Yeah. Have you got a leather jacket? Uh, no. Okay. Sports car? I haven't got a car at the moment. <laughs> You're not having a midlife crisis? Okay. You're fine. I'm going to get one. It's one of my ambitions. Really? <laughs> it's on my bucket list. <laughs> midlife crisis. Thanks to Gary for the walk and to Snoop. They were quite the dream team. They both still got it. If you liked it, can you remember to subscribe and leave a comment on iTunes? I love subscribers. Subscribers are my world. So that's about it for now. Until next time, remember, be the person your dog thinks you are. That's someone who spends all day picking up poo. Listener.